What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Russell Starr is the executive chairman and CEO at Valor, which is formerly known as DeFi Technologies. In this conversation, we talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, the current state of the market, all the contagion, the lending platforms, centralized financial products versus decentralized financial products, and regulation. I really enjoyed this conversation with Russell, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I first want to talk about our sponsors. First up is LMAX Digital, the number one institutional crypto exchange. They offer clients the deepest pool of crypto liquidity on the planet, underscored by a 100% uptime track record through volatility spikes. They leverage LMAX Group's liquidity relationships and ultra-low latency technology. LMAX Digital is the market-leading solution for institutional crypto trading and custodial services. If you've never heard of LMAX Digital, it's probably because you're not an institution. They have no retail, only institutions. They feature a central limit order book streaming spot Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash, all paired with US dollars, Euro, and Yen. LMAX Digital, they're secure, they're liquid, and they're trusted. Learn more at lmaxdigital.com slash pomp. Again, lmaxdigital.com slash pomp. This episode is brought to you by 8sleep. 8sleep is the single best product that I have purchased over the last three years. It completely changed my life. I'm not joking. Pay attention. The Pod Pro cover, which goes over your mattress by 8sleep, is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. You can go to 8sleep.com slash pomp to check out the Pod Pro cover and you save $150 at checkout. They currently ship within the United States, Canada, and the UK. Now, I told you, it changed my life. It helps me sleep deeper, helps me sleep longer. I feel much more refreshed, and I have better energy. You want to know how I have relentless energy every single day? It's because I sleep on an 8sleep. Seriously. Go check it out, 8sleep.com slash pomp today. This episode is brought to you by FTX US. FTX.US is the safe, regulated way to buy and sell Bitcoin and other digital assets. You can trade crypto with up to 85% lower fees than top competitors. There are no fixed minimum fees, no ACH transaction fees, and no withdrawal fees either. FTX.US is also the only leading exchange that supports both Ethereum and Solana NFTs. Download the FTX app today and use referral code POMP to earn these free crypto on every trade over $10. The more you trade, the more you earn. Go download the FTX app today and use referral code POMP. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Russell is the executive chairman and CEO at Valor, which was previously known as DeFi Technologies. Uh, I've been uh, been working with these guys for a while as an advisor. Uh, they're a publicly listed business, uh, and they are focused uh, heavily on uh, digital assets, uh, decentralized finance, and a number of other things. So, Russell, how are you? I'm pretty good, man. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm on the right show. You've, you've got a tie and a suit on. Listen, the bear market is a serious thing. <laughs> this suit and tie, this exact one, defeated the 2018 bear market, and this one's not coming off till we defeat this one. Uh, the problem is that it is not uh, exactly the most comfortable outfit that I have. Uh, I yep. don't necessarily enjoy doing it, but if we're all going to weather the storm and feel the pain, then I will wear this every day as a reminder that we are in a bear market until it's over. 
Well, if, if that's what it takes, I'm 110% supportive, man. Yeah. Well, well that's cause oh. you're not wearing the suit and tie and I am. So everyone's Agreed. supportive. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as you know, man, ELE, ELE. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about, uh, kind of the state of the market right now. Obviously we've seen prices come down very, very significantly. Bitcoin down 70%, many other coins yep. down even more than that. Uh, as you kind of look out at the market, how much of this is driven by, uh, kind of crypto specific, uh, value drivers versus it's just a, uh, recipient of, uh, macro, uh, economics and, uh, Monetary policy, both in the United States and abroad. Uh, look, my my gut tells me that it's almost 90, 95 percent macro driven. Uh, but you also have uh, you know an unfortunate situation where a lot of the miners basically paid up to buy equipment at the highs and are now um, being forced basically to sell their their hodled coin just to just to make make payroll and whatnot. So it's it's ninety five percent macro, I would say, and, and maybe five or 10% driven um, just by unfortunate circumstances. You know, you always say to people, you know, the best thing to do in the markets is, is buy low and sell high, but it always seems that everybody's buying high and selling low. So it's, it's almost like a, a, a perverted instance of the way it should be, I guess, in this situation. What are you guys seeing from investors as prices have come down? You you have a number of uh, public vehicles, you have a number of indexes yeah. and, and various types of products. Are you seeing investors uh, redeeming, selling? Are they contributing more capital? What, what's kind of the investor trend right now? Yeah, no, that actually that's an awesome question. Um, we're actually seeing net inflows month over month, um, and to me that means you know the market is still there. It, it's it's a continuous additions. Uh, we call it net sales. It's been positive, flat to positive, basically every month, month over month, despite the sell off. Um, and that's just people who recognize this as an ecosystem that I think is here to stay. Um, and 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 we're kind of you know sometimes I always say to people we're, we're not even in in the first inning. We're not we're not even in the first pitch in the first inning. Um, if you can use that as an analogy, and so. Uh, people are doubling down um, if you want to use that analogy. But but as we add products, people continue to buy them. We're adding people uh, to every single one of our products, uh, despite the fact that the, the the prices are coming off. And to me, that's actually anecdotally probably the most important data point um, for everyone who's listening. Uh, there there is interest. Um, obviously, it's been a, a very rough ride. Um, I really feel for you know Voyager. I feel for well, maybe I don't feel so much for three hours capital because it sounds like there was probably a bit of a Ponzi scheme or something of the like going on there. I'm not allowed uh, sure if I'm allowed to say something like that, but you know, a lot of people have suffered due to the, the impacts and the, and the actions of, of very few bad actors. And, and it still doesn't change the fact that this is an ecosystem that I think is going to change the way um, we execute uh, financially in our daily lives Um basically from now and into who knows when. Talk to me about the centralized uh, lending platforms. Obviously, there's DeFi, and then there's these CFI type uh, offerings. What are you seeing differences there in terms of their performance during the market downturn? What are you talking about? Like, like which spe specific ones are you talking about? So out of the centralized uh, financial platforms, there's obviously exchanges, right? So things yep. uh, that most people would know those brands. There's also these lenders, uh, whether they're more institutional type lenders or they're uh, lending on the retail side. The Aves and the, the, and, and the Celsius. So obviously Celsius is, is probably finished or done. Um, look, in my perspective, 
you and I have been talking about this for a while. The future of this industry, wh- whether whether the the trad fi wants to to persist or or you know the the holistic or the purest um, crypto wants to persist, the reality is that there's going to be a symbiotic relationship between trad fi and the purest. Um, you just can't have this ecosystem grow the way it needs to grow without incorporating some of the trad fi dynamics into it. And you know, just literally today or yesterday. Um, or Friday, you were hearing Brainerd basically talking about how regulation has to start becoming more and more meaningful, specifically when it comes to the exchanges. Um, I see a world uh, where, where probably all of those exchanges are regulated. Um, I don't know whether that'll allow them to persist. I don't know whether that, that alters the course and you get like a JP Morgan or a Goldman who buys one and controls it. Um, but if, if you want to get uh, everyone to benefit from, from these lending protocols, as you were just suggesting, or any of the other protocols that exist, you have to have a mechanism to get them out to everyone. And I just don't see, especially with what we just witnessed with Voyager, Three Arrows Capital, I just don't see a world where, where you can do that without having some sort of a regulatory framework um, to protect investor dollars. Um, and I know it goes against the whole decentralized perspective, um, but I think it's a bit of give and take on both sides. Um, if you really want this to become as dominant as, as you and I probably believe it will be, and I think most of the people who are participating in this space believe this will be the future of finance moving forward, I think, you're, I think everybody's going to have to accept some sort of a regulatory environment that's going to oversee practically all of it. And you know, from our company's perspective, that's a good thing, right? Like, like everything we do is on traditional exchanges, but all we're doing is trying to take a, a nascent protocol that, that normally someone would buy in Coinbase or Voyager or, or any of these other alt exchanges um, and make it available to people on a traditional exchange. Um, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think, I think that's something that people are going to embrace. I think it's the way forward. Um, and, and ultimately, I mean, Literally, I mean, I'll, I'll throw a question back to you. Um, do you or any of us really know which one of these protocols is going to win, which one's going to lose? We're so early in this game. We're so early in the paradigm. There are going to be losers. Um, you know, I, I often take, take the analogy back to the, the internet boom. Um, and there were, there were web browsers, you know, that were once the most dominant web browsers that, that no one would even know existed today. Um, you know, there were times when Amazon, uh, people scoffed at Amazon. There were times when they scoffed at Apple. Uh, we're going to have to put up with volatility as this industry grows. When you think about uh, kind of the current public markets, uh, obviously you all are a regulated entity. Uh, talk a little bit about what regulations or what disclosure requirements you think are coming to uh, some of the um, kind of crypto-related entities, uh, projects, companies that are not in the public market. Like, what do you expect to play out there? Ooh. Um, well, I, honestly, jurisdictionally, it's going to be really interesting because when you look at Europe, Europe is, has embraced wholeheartedly this entire movement. Um, there's a reason why we only list our products in Europe. Uh, the U.S. isn't even acknowledging, let alone, you know, you know, giving us the time of day. And, and I would argue that we're exactly what the SEC wants to see in this industry. Um, I, I, look, Big Brother is going to try to control everything. You and I have seen this time and time again. Um, but the whole purpose of this industry, the whole purpose of the decentralized process, the whole purpose of allowing 
um, you know, foundations and, and nodes um, and, and, and allowing more of a holistic participation and decision-making processes, you know, that, that's counterintuitive to your traditional regulatory body. So I think there's going to have to be a, a, um, some sort of cooperation. Um, you know, I will say this, and, and I don't know what your listeners think, but I, I really do think the U.S. is dropping the ball and allowing many other countries to actually take the lead where, where I would have thought in any other uh, entrepreneurial pursuit, the U.S. would have been the leader. Um, and again, we've talked about this. It's politically driven, in my opinion. It's it's U.S. dollar motivated, and it's unfortunate. But but you're going to see a migration of, of massive amounts of capital to jurisdictions that start to embrace this this ecosystem. And it's unfortunate that it's not likely going to be in the U.S. Um, so I don't know if that specifically answers your question. It's it's just you've got the SEC that I think is acting, in my opinion. Um, specifically from a, from a political perspective. I don't, I don't think any of this has to do with, you know, customer protection. I think they'll use every excuse in the book to, to try to stop capital outflows away from the U.S. dollar. Um, and then you're going to have the likes of China. Um, who knows what Russia is going to do? Uh, but, but clearly there's an economic war that's being waged way above, you know, our pay grade. And then you've got the likes of Europe, Germany in particular, who has basically said, you know, you buy one of these products and you hold it for a year. You don't have to pay any tax. We, we want capital inflows into this. We want to be a center of innovation and a center of you know, capital inflows. And it's, it's just, um, it, 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 it's frustrating as a North American Canadian you know, neighbor to, to you guys to watch what's happening in the U.S. Um, and then, of course, as a byproduct, we tend to follow where, where you then have uh, another material country just basically embracing this and trying to push it forward. When you start to look at uh, that regulation coming in, uh, institutions obviously were allocating to Bitcoin and crypto, you know, maybe Q3 of 2020, they really started in earnest. Uh, they continued until last year at the end. Uh, they considered it a risk asset. Monetary policy yep. is going to become tighter. Uh, they begin to sell risk assets cool. of which uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies take a hit. Do you anticipate that they will come right back in once the Federal Reserve or other central banks pivot monetary policy? Uh, or do you think that they actually never really left? They might have sold some assets uh, because of that risk-off environment, but they're still here. They're still doing the work. They're still kind of involved in the communities. Uh, and it's less a question of like them coming back because they left and more a question of just like asset allocation across their portfolio. Yeah, awesome question again. Um, I, I can see your analogy, or at least where you're going. Like, like were they allocating five percent, and now they're down to one percent, so they never really left. Um, that's a way bigger question. Um, my view is they probably only ever got to one percent. I mean, you had some of the more aggressive hedge funds really dipping their toes in aggressively, uh, but by and large, if you were to look at you know, the fidelities of the world, that like, like the massive money managers, I don't even think they began to scratch the surface. So, so, so I guess I'm sort of answering your question in a little bit of a political fashion and saying, you know, there, there, there were a few parties that I think did take that asset allocation up to five, maybe 10%, um, but, but they were such a small portion of the actual uh, investing climate that you can almost argue that, that no one's really even begun to make that investment process. And Really, when you look at it, the, the only way that, that a lot of those funds and, and a lot of the 
you know, traditional money managers could actually participate in it was through the miners. And, and really, if you think about it, that, that's such a small part of what this ecosystem is supposed to be. Um, and so, you know, now you have the likes of us, which, you know, we're a different business model. You're going to see other companies doing different things. Like you have WonderFi buying, buying exchanges. Um, you have, you have some companies who are looking at the metaverse um, and gaming more specifically. And then you have some trading platforms, of course. Um, my perspective is, and, and, you know, this is a much deeper conversation, but, you know, the bullwhip effect that I think is really going to make the Fed look, look pretty bad here quickly. Um, and the bullwhip, bullwhip effect from an economics perspective is just sort of a, a, the concept that, that you just get all this inventory sucked up and you get excess inventory sitting everywhere. And so while you've got inflation and the Fed increasing interest rates literally as fast as they can um, so that as they know we're entering a recession, and, and I'd argue we're probably already there in the recession just with everything that's happening, they need to get interest rates high enough so that they can actually start cutting interest rates to start stimulating the economy again. So to answer your question, I guess in full, uh, I think that in the next three to five months, you're going to just see tremendous amounts of capital flow back into this industry um, as risk on comes, comes back aggressively. Um, but the other secondary point to that, and you and I have talked about it before, I don't view, I mean, basically you get a bunch of lemmings who all act the same in, in the capital markets today. I don't view Bitcoin as a risk on asset. I, I, I view Bitcoin as an alternative form of currency. And, and as you see the dollar's demise pick up, um, I think you're just going to see more and more and more and more flows uh, moving into Bitcoin. Um, you know, the government has fiscally you know, destroyed the, the, the economy of the U.S. Um, and I know that's, that's something controversial to say, but, but I think most of your, your listeners would agree, um, you know, you can't print money the way the government's been doing it and, and continue to have a robust U.S. dollar. And so, the, you know, Bitcoin becomes a really relevant alternative uh, investment class. And for the longest time, you had people saying, you know, Bitcoin was gold 2.0. And now they're calling it a risk asset. It, it, it doesn't really make sense. So I think they're just using it as, as an excuse to sort of come up with a reason why, uh, you know, we, we dropped, what was it, 70% in the last couple of months. When you think of the business you're building, uh, obviously cool. DeFi Technologies, now called Valor. Talk a little bit about the name change. And then are you guys doing anything different strategy-wise uh, given the market conditions? Yeah, literally what we're doing differently than most people is we're hiring aggressively. Um, like what you're seeing right now is, is you know, Coinbase rescinding offers. You're, you're seeing basically the entire ecosystem um, almost shut down from, from, a, from a bringing people on board perspective. Um, because of how innovative we are, because of how nimble we are, um, we just brought on basically the top salesperson from 21 shares. Um, today, you just saw uh, head of legal uh, from 21 shares is joining us on August 2nd. Um, we have another another person joining uh, in early August. And so, yeah, we're, we're I kind of take a different perspective back to my point, like too many people lay people off at the bottom. What you want to be doing is hiring. And even if you put your balance sheet at risk at the bottom or close to the bottom, you want to do it. Yes, it's a bit, it's a bit aggressive and yes, it's a bit dangerous. But, but if you believe in the business you're building and you, if you believe in the ec ecosystem upon which that business is built, you want, you want to be hiring and building near the lows 
um, not firing. It's, it's, it's the exact inversion of what most other people are doing. Uh, the other thing that we're doing is, is we're, we're taking a long, hard look at sort of the ESG climate. Um, and we're looking at a Bitcoin, you know, carbon neutral product. We're looking at some other innovative products um, that I think will make a lot of sense. Um, some very, 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 you know, a lot of, a lot of people have, have taken a, a bat to stable coins just because of what happened to Terra Luna. But the reality is that, that the other stable coins have performed really, really well. And so we're looking at some yield-driven products as well that, that uh, I think will help uh, your traditional portfolio, um, just because as, as you and I know, sort of a, the, the bond and fixed income market is basically dead because of what's, what's happened in the US. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're expanding, we're growing, um, and we're excited. So, so that would be a, a very different perspective than I think you, you'd get from, or at least uh, many of the commentaries that you've seen out of the likes of Coinbase and some of our other uh, our other uh, competitors. When you look at that market on the hiring front, where are those people coming from? Are they coming from Wall Street and the finance world? Are they coming from the technology industry? Are they coming right out of school? What, where are you seeing the, the kind of the talent or the interest come from? Yeah, so another awesome question, as usual, Anthony, kick, hitting it out of the park. <laughs> Especially, maybe it's the suit too, man. Um, uh, for us, we really only have one major competitor in this industry. It's, it's 21 shares. And, and for whatever reason, um, I, th- I think our, our company's culture, our company's um, nimbleness is, is proving to be a really interesting platform for the likes of people um, sitting there. Uh, but, but no, it's, it's, it's industry. Um, how do I explain it? You know, it, it, it's basically, you know, imagine a lawyer who would be your traditional corporate finance lawyer who, who got a taste of crypto by, by doing some prospectuses and getting involved in the industry and, and just having a, a complete paradigm shift in their brain. So, so none of these are early stage people. These are all, these are all um, what I would call um, top of the, the pyramid people who, who like and see what we're doing, have tremendous experience and, and, like you and I believe that this is the future. And so, so we're, we're getting, um, that's not to say we're not averse to hiring, you know, some university students who, who want to get involved in this space and would love to get, you know, some experience in, in, in anything crypto related or web 3.0. Um, it's just that right now we, we happen to be really, really fortuitous and we're seeing some really, really high quality people because of, what the likes of Coinbase and some of these other bigger companies are doing as they, as they lay off really talented people. Um, some, you know, so, someone has to be the beneficiary of picking them up and it just happens to be us right now. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's fascinating to kind of think, you know, as to how this all plays out. Um, last question for you is really around, yeah. um, the, the Canadian markets where, uh, where you all started, what, what is the general feel there from regulation, from investors in that specific market? Specifically on the web 3.0 just, side of things? Yeah. J- just in terms of, uh, of kind of everything from Bitcoin, crypto, web three, j- just along the entire industry. Like what is the general feel from both the regulators and investors? So, so investor wise, uh, we're seeing tremendous interest from the retail community. Again, um, it's funny, normally the really smart money, call it the private equity and the funds tend to be the first and the early adopters. And they're the ones who are getting in deep. For whatever reason, crypto seems to have been driven, Web 3.0 seems to have been driven a, a lot by the retail community. 
And I think part of it has to do with the fact that, that for the longest period of time, the only way you could pick up any of these, these, uh, these, these ecosystems, tokens, whatever you want to call them, you had to do it on these, these unregulated exchanges. And most funds aren't permitted to actually buy on those. As you're seeing these companies, um, you know, hybrid companies, like, like I know, you know, Ollie, one of our co-founders, and he created Hive, Hive Blockchain and, and Johan created CoinShares. You're seeing money move um, institutionally and retail-based into that. And, and so Canada, you know, Canada is one of those weird, um, weird, very risk-tolerant countries, at least when it comes to, to early stage companies, whether it be natural resources, whether it be Web 3.0. And, and you see that as, you know, many of these companies have launched and, and, and were first and, and listed in Canada before even graduating to the NASDAQ. And so for, for that reason, I think you just, you have a, a, a higher comfort level with the space um, than maybe you do in the U S and, and the, the next comment um the regulators really do follow um, follow the lead of, of what you see in the U.S. And so uh, without getting myself into too much trouble, I, I, I think the regulators, um, I think the regulators need to, to stop interfering with, with what I call um, sensible allocation of capital, right? Like, like winners are going to win, losers are going to lose. There's going to be bad apples. Every industry has them. But, but let the investment climate drive itself rather than a regulator standing in the way of doing it. Um, so for example, like, you know, we're, we're eight months still and waiting uh, for the SEC to give us final approval to get on the NASDAQ uh, when we filed a form that they never are supposed to even interfere in and we should have graduated to the NASDAQ. You know, why is the SEC doing that? It doesn't make any sense. And, and you have that same sort of state or, or uh, almost anti-business perspective um, from the regulators in Canada. That being said, maybe a little bit less so. So, you know, you do, you do see the likes of Galaxy listed in Canada, you know, Hive and Hot, you know, all of these stalwarts that, that you, you see on the NASDAQ, they all started in Canada. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool that we're at the forefront of, of at least bringing traditional listed equities that have sort of the web 3.0 um, uh, paradigm built into them, uh, but on traditional exchanges and driven out of Canada. Hopefully that answers your question. No, it, it, it does. And it actually makes me think of one more thing, which is um, as you think about building these financial products, uh, what is the market opportunity of the public markets versus the private markets? As you guys kind of think about this, is it all like structured and listed products or do you see opportunity outside of the structured listed products uh, and what people would consider more kind of private opportunities? Well, as you know, like, uh, like we've built our company to try to take advantage of both. So we have our VC arm um, that you know very, very well and, and, and always thank you for your help and, and, and guidance in that space. Um, so so we, we, we sort of look at the world as you've got all these incredible uh, new seed investment opportunities. Um, and this is where I, you know, I, I, I back away completely just when you've got a guy like Johan Wattenstrom or Ollie on your team, they're the ones who can really take a deep dive into those seed opportunities and as well as yourself. Um, and, and we try to participate in those seed opportunities that we see as, you know, a future lending platform, um, you know, Luxor, um, Sovereign, which we, you know, we were part of with you and, and, and Wilder World. So, so we're always looking for really incredible VC like opportunities um, but but the 
the bulk of our business, I think, is going to be driven by how do we take those seed, seed opportunities and turn them into a, into a relevant exchange-traded product that people can actually dig into and you can get everybody along. And quite frankly, that's only going to benefit whatever that protocol is anyhow. The more, the more capital you can get flowing into it, the more uh, interest that you can drive uh, even just from a from a mind frame or understanding process, the better better off everyone's going to be, and and the better off that actual token or protocol or metaverse or gaming um, uh, ecosystem is going to work. So so we're trying to look at it from both perspectives. But to your point, um, I think most of it's going to be structured on our end. Um, but still, we won't ever give up on on looking for you know that new next dominant. Um, DeFi protocol, metaverse, gaming protocol. Um, and, and again, we don't know who the winners and losers are going to be, but, but what we want to be able to do is offer as many to as many people and, and let the investor decide who the winner and, and the loser is going to be, not the regulator, if that makes sense. Makes a, uh, makes a ton of sense. Where can we send people to find you on the internet or find out more about Valor? Yeah, so so I'm actually very accessible, but Valor.com is the new website. You asked us why we changed our name. It, it, Valor was the business we built initially, um, Ollie and Johan uh, uh, built, and 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 we just changed the name because it was really weird having DeFi and then Valor as our our sub subsidiary, call it. Um, but but yeah, Valor.com. Um, send an email to ir at Valor.com. Often I'll answer it, and. Uh, you know, I think it's important for a CEO to be accessible to the public. Yeah, I love it, man. All right, well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. Anyone who wants to go check it out, uh, Russell is uh, uh, definitely is available. Uh, always quick to uh, to respond when I email you, so I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, one question for you, Anthony. Fire away. So, does the suit come off when we're out of the downturn, or oh, of is course. the suit okay? So, you're this is your. We're trying to figure out what the price point should be. Like when, when is the bear market over? And, uh, uh, everyone will know the bear market is over because I will no longer wear the suit and tie. But, um, at the same time, um, that means that we have to determine when do you declare the bear market over? And that's unclear at the moment. So we'll, we'll come up with a little framework and, uh, I hope that that happens not, uh, necessarily from an investment standpoint, but, uh, you know, wearing the suit (laughs) and tie every day is, uh, eh. Hopefully soon. Let's just say that. I worked my ass off to not have to do this every day. And now somehow I'm back in the same seat. So that's the punishment I get. That's fine. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. People were saying I cheated the other day. We released a video and I didn't have the suit and tie on, on, uh, on one of our channels. So yes, I did cheat. I apologize. Uh, well, but, um, all right, man, listen, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us and uh, we'll definitely do this again in the future. You got it, man. Thanks again. Always a pleasure. All right. Sounds good. Talk soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you're looking to try to transition to get a new job in the Bitcoin or crypto industry, we've got you covered. Head over to pompscryptocourse.com. We've developed a curriculum with the top teams across the industry. It's a three-week intensive training program with over 50 events packed into that three-week time period. Go to pompscryptocourse.com to learn more. And I'll meet you guys for the next episode.